Welcome, heathens and witches, to the Horn and Cauldron podcast. podcast. Yeah, so I'm John Norgrove. This is Julie Norgrove, and uh, uh, we're here to bring witchy information all up into your faces and such like that, or your ear holes, or your, your ear face. holes. <laughs> it depends. Uh, so Are ears part of a face? Oh, yes. I don't know. Do ears count in facial recognition? These are the mysteries that we're not going to address here. Go somewhere else. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But anywho, anywho, uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, don't forget to like this video, comment below, share, subscribe, and do all that kind of stuff. If you're listening to us on the podcast network of your choice, uh, please subscribe and leave us a review so that way we know uh, that you hate us. It's okay. Um... What else? Or that you love us. Yeah, I, mean, I guess that share too. us with your Yeah, share us with, with your, your friends. friends. Make, make us other people's problems yeah. also, because sharing is caring. And uh, yeah, so before we get started, we're just going to, I'm going to give a little shout out to our Patreon. If you would like to support more witchy endeavors like this and uh, fun stuff like this, we have a Patreon um, called Nerd Jive. Uh, that, yep. is, uh, that is like the main, like group that we use for the media name and uh there's a horn and cauldron podcast here where you get access to the book shadows pages for each one of these podcasts as well as a uh there's a witchy discord in that Mm -hmm. and i make like cell phone wallpapers and stuff like that so that's fun and we also have an etsy shop called norgrove enterprises where we sell like fun tie-dye stuff and, and embroidery uh, like floss, embroidery floss. Uh, we have merch now we for the just Horn and got podcast. merch it's so exciting so we've got a couple of horn and cauldron podcast water bottles we're going to be putting online soon yep and we've got uh, some mugs some coffee mugs because i drink coffee ferociously and some stickers but the stickers are are going to be uh, are, are coming up sooner or, or later rather than sooner because I have to design two more stickers so we can sell a nice three pack to y'all as opposed to a single sticker and having to pay for shipping for that, which is um, outrageous. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. But if you get some of the other things as well, <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll throw stickers in there. We yeah, have we'll a throw stickers, stickers in your order, especially so, if you send us a message saying that you uh, yeah. listen to our podcast. Yeah, Anything if you, you uh, if you went to the uh, if, if you went to our Etsy shop and ordered something uh, because of the podcast. Uh, or any of our YouTube videos, uh, you know, shoot us a little message about that. Let us know. We can uh, we can throw in stickers and and uh, other fun special accoutrements like that. Yeah. We should be having candles coming soon and uh, corn uh, husk doll corn husk doll kits like spell like to make jar yeah kits. spell jar kits. So we're gonna start getting into more of that stuff. It was just busy, so it's taken a time yeah. Yeah. to get all this. I mean, these are supposed to come out on Monday and it's Wednesday, so. Yeah, but there's not even an excuse for that. We were on vacation. We're on vacation this week. Like we could have recorded on Monday, but one, it was hot. And two, I I have had so many other projects. We needed the rest. But also so many other projects have happened in this house over the last like four days. Yeah. uh, yeah. Since we jumped on vacation. But uh, also that's one of the other things coming soon to the Etsy store is God and goddess figures yeah, that no. have been upcycled out of um, Barbie or Ken dolls. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, yeah. we're working on so that's that. Pretty exciting. We're uh, yeah, we're getting a bunch of things moving on. We should have some candles coming soon and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, give us a follow on, uh, on YouTube so, to see the other stuff we have. We do reviews for Star Trek and we're going to bring vlogs back because we've got the Scottish games coming up soon yep. and all that stuff. So uh, yeah. yeah, stay tuned for that. But now that all that uh, business nonsense is out of the way, let's get right into it today we are talking about rune casting which is sort of interesting because 
Uh, Julie doesn't do rune casting, but she's the one that did the research for this. Just because she's the one that always does research for these. It's just she has a very specific perspective on these things. Um, and I'm generally just the like color commentary. That's that's racist. <laughs> that's not how that was meant. <laughs> I don't know. It works. That's not even fair. It's that's not fair. No. Yeah. Welcome to racism. <laughs> welcome to racism. It's not fair. No. We're we're good people. That's not that's not what we're going on about. I just got um, canceled yeah. by my husband. Jeez. Uh, yeah. I no. I I'm just I. Yeah. I'm the commentary. I'm the color commentary guy. I do. I got a bunch of information, and I happen to do rune casting. I have carved my own runes multiple times. Um, runes are within the wheelhouse of of my practice, which is more Norse than anything else. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what she got, what they said, what I disagree with. Absolutely. Take, take it away. Yeah, I probably don't yeah. disagree with any of it, but, you know, well, I'm not we'll a fucking see. expert. Um, None of, neither of us are experts, by the by. We are just some uh, witchy people who want to share knowledge with all y'all. And if we do something wrong or say something wrong or pronounce something wrong, because that's definitely what's happening, give a comment below. Let us know what's going on. Yeah, mostly, or hit us up on social media. Or mostly, whatever. if I pronounce something wrong, that's kind of a thing that I do a lot. Um, it's at this point, I, it's becoming oh, I, a running, I, a running I, joke. I to want our three to. Readers. I want to say, listeners. Um, oh, listeners! Yeah, yeah that's right. If you're reading this, how? <laughs> on YouTube and with auto-generated captions. I'm so how. sorry. There's no way it's picking up what I'm saying correctly. I talk way too fast and and blur my words together. I know that for a fact. Uh, I would like to say that I'm able to, like, pronounce words correctly very well, uh, but that might also just be me falling for my own bold idiot confidence. So, <laughs> yeah. because it's like, if you got to do it, you just do it. You got to go 100%, <laughs> right? It's like pouring beer, 100% on, 100% off. None of this fucking metering it with the tap shit. That's not how that pours. So, <laughs> we'll see what fucking happens. Also... If this sounds better, and I'm hoping that it will, it's because we bought a new microphone, which should make things better. Yes, and that is a huge thanks to our patrons for that, yeah. because they're the ones who helped us make that possible. Uh, and so um, I guess with that additional interlude, let's, uh, yeah, let's, let's get, get, get at it. it. Let's get into it. What is runes? So, well, first, before we start, I want to give a disclaimer to say that there are, there have been, and there are many, many runic alphabets throughout history. But today we're really going to be focusing primarily on the Elder Futhark runes. And that's really just because they're the most common rune set that you buy these days. Not that the other runes are less good or less important or creating your own runes with your own symbols is not good. It's just that these ones are the ones that you can just like go on Etsy and buy or go, you know, to a, to, you know, some sort of an event and you, you know, see somebody and you can buy them there. Yeah, totally. So, and Elder Futhark is more generally associated with the esoteric practices in like like rune casting and like stave designing and like uh, like worship of the Norse gods and things like that. There is a younger Futhark, which is I don't know if you talk about this in this at all, but younger Futhark is a more modern version of like Norse quotes, Norse runes, um, and. Uh, there are definitely there's sort of two camps about runes and I don't want to get into it just because like I don't I'm not trying to start fights with nobody this is like a cool place where but everybody's nice but it is a very but, controversial but, but it's a very topic. controversial topic there there are a large por proportion of people who 
who argue that runes never had any sort of magical ramifications or associations, and it was purely a written alphabet, um, and and it wasn't anything else. Um, so I, I disagree with that, but that's fine, right? Like everybody can have their own opinion. We don't need to be assholes to each other. Uh, the the internet. Is, is good enough at that. We don't need more of that shit. Um, as well as oftentimes you will find other non-Northern European Norse runic uh, or alphabets, like symbolic style alphabets called runes, but that is sort of the word rune as defined by like being a character that's like disnormal for writing. You know, it's like a different kind of alphabet, yeah. a symbolic alphabet, but not fully like like Egyptian symbols, kind of symbol, like hieroglyphs yeah. symbols. Right. But it's just it's like a little bit less than that, because you'll find a lot of like either made up alphabets, like yeah. from other like esoteric practices throughout the world called runes. Sometimes I mean, I've even seen I've even seen like like the like Hebrew alphabet called yeah. runes when talked about. Just because the person didn't know that they weren't that it was the Hebrew alphabet. So so runes is sort of like weird. Like sometimes they're called Elvish runes when you look at like Elvish and stuff. So runes yeah. is one of those words that has like a bunch of meanings. So you may stumble across some like weird information with regard to that. Yeah. But just keep that in mind. And um, you know, if if you're if you're asking questions about runes in a subreddit and uh, and they're like no magic here, find a different subreddit. Don't argue. Don't engage with those people. Like that's that's a thing. I'm I'm in both subreddits, <laughs> yeah, and some of them are just like none of this shit. And you're like, all right, man, let's take it down a notch. But uh, and you could always just like message us on social, and and we'll we'll you know I can help you. Absolutely, I've been, I've been working with runes info, literally my whole life, and and my father was working with runes before that. So yeah, yeah, like <laughs> well, yeah, and a lot of the videos, the short informational videos that I do on TikTok are based off of questions that people have asked me or questions that I see out there that are commonly, but yeah. you bring up an interesting thing about runes in that they are, they're basically like symbols, maybe sometimes letters from other languages. And the word rune really comes from an old Germanic as well as an old Latin word. There's a lot of different roots for this word but they really all mean the same thing. And that means like secret or hidden, um, specifically a ta uh, pertaining to knowledge. Yeah. So um, really that's kind of where that is. But, you know, the, the Futhark runes, both the elder and the younger, have been a huge template for just about any sort of um, fandom that has runes. So you can see them in anything from Skyrim uh, to... Um, I think I've seen Elder Futhark in Doom. I'm yeah. almost certain so I've Halloween, seen it in Diablo 3. One of the runes yeah. takes a takes a big part of yeah. the Halloween uh, is, movie mythos. Yeah, what is that, and Halloween 4 or something? 4 and 5, four and, five. and 6, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, there's just there's a ton of stuff out there with runes, and I am a huge, huge Tolkien fan, so really my introduction to runes were the ones that were in the appendices of The Hobbit and of Lord of the Rings, mm -hmm. and I did not know until many years later that they were based on or some directly lifted from the Futhark runes. And mm. Tolkien did base his lettering systems very specifically for the dwarves on those. The Elvish runes, he did not base on that. The Elvish is a bit more to a, a bit closer to like an Arabic or um, an Asian type of language yeah. where you have characters that 
that to a Western eye look like they could be runes, but they're really just letters. Yeah. Um, but it, it, runes are really kind of an interesting history because the thing is, is we don't really know yeah. where they came from. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very common theme in these podcasts. <laughs> uh, we don't know a bunch of details about a bunch of shit. People are bad at writing stuff. Yeah, around. at this point, I feel like you can make the history part uh, that of my research like part of a drinking game. Yeah. So How many times do we say we don't know what the fuck we're talking about? Yeah, or that we don't really know <laughs> where it came from. So runes were originally the alphabet used by those living in Northern Europe before they adopted the Latin alphabet during the Christianization of Europe, which um, happens be- happened between the 8th and 12th century uh, CE. So there's another drinking game item for you uh, because we basically talk about the Christianization of Europe in every single podcast. I don't try to do it. It just happens. Yeah, it's just a huge thing. <laughs> it's you just know. a thing. So um, the early runes that we have found date back to about 150 BCE. So like a little bit over 2,000 years old. And they were the Elder Futhark and they were actually found on a comb. Uh, And that's the thing is, is a lot of this really, really old stuff, we only have evidence from stuff that has been pulled up from archeological dig sites. So we don't have a lot of context for some of these things. Uh, And we're not really sure where the runes, where the Elder Futhark came from. Uh, or who spread them across Europe or invented them. But we just know that they happened in Northern Europe and just sort of spread westward into France and Brittany and the UK. And they also spread eastward into sort of like the borders of where Russia and where those who use acrylic type of type letters are from. Cyrillic? Yep. Cyrillic. Yeah. Not acrylic, like the paint. <laughs> that would be acrylic. And not krillin, like the, like the, you know. No, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just Dragon Ball? <laughs> no, I did not. Krillin? Know. Okay, I that's fine. That. Never mind. Different, I, I was, different nerd dumb. It's I cool. was not a DBZ um, watcher. I have nothing against DBZ. I just wasn't into it. I love that show, man. I watched all of them. <laughs> I love it so much. It's so, it's, it's so good. It's just schlocky. I don't care. Yeah, so the first runes we discovered, the, the, the first time that we found runes was 150 BCE, but the first instance of them being used for divination that we can find is in a book called Germania, which was written by Tacitus, who was a Roman historian, and he wrote it in 98 BCE. Um, and the way that he, so this would have been after that comb was made, but only like maybe half a century. Yeah. And the way that he writes about this in his, in his book, Germania, makes it sound like the practice of using runes for divination has been around for longer. And in particular, he says that signs, so these would be characters, runes, picture, pictorial type things, were chosen in sets of three, and they were carved into the wood of a nut-bearing tree. So you would break, so you would cut down a a branch of a nut-bearing tree. And, you know, you could also sort of say that that would even be a fruit-bearing tree because there are some fruits that have, like, essentially nuts inside of them, like stone fruit. Please don't eat the nut inside of the stone fruit, guys. Just don't do it. They're they're bad for you. Like, very bad for you. Um, And... And so that's, you know, kind of where that came from. So it was a nut-bearing tree. My guess is because it gave life or something along those lines. Well, every tree has sort of like a different, like, 
necessary symbolism, and it may have simply been that like nut bearing trees had like better wood. Yeah, that's for it, or or potentially like not great wood for fires, but good wood for carving stuff into or yeah, something to or that other extent, things. right? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was in 98 CE. After that, the next instance of using runes historically, there's kind of like three main pieces here. Doesn't happen until the 800s. So we're talking a huge jump in years. And um, this guy, his name was Rimbear, and he was an arch archbishop of the church. He wrote the Vita Ansgari, and and in that, he mentions that people would draw lots for divinatory purposes. Yeah. Uh, lots being essentially like a stick with carved stuff on them. It is unclear whether or not it was a flat disc or whether they were more like actual sticks with stuff carved into them. That was also fairly common for, for yeah. that time. B uh, both are, are fairly common ways to do... To build sets of runes, right? Yeah. You can do the like flat coin style, as I call them, where you just carve it on the surface. And then there's like the stick style where whether it's like literally a round branch that's just been like sort of smoothed out in a place and the rune's been carved into it. Or it's like a plank, like a small plank, you mm -hmm. know, that's flattened out of a stick with the symbols carved into yeah. it. But both... You know, both are, are fairly common yeah, styles. Yeah, sort of like a domino. Well, and it's just like we use the word rune stones, implying that they're carved on rocks, but and sometimes they are. But runes for divination purposes are sort of like anything you can carve it onto works. Or paint it onto. Yeah, or paint or it onto. It out or, of, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, generally it's made out of like natural stuff. Yeah. Um, And for the most part, it's not made with like animal byproducts. It's just made out of like nature stuff, like plants and shit. Um, but that's not necessarily always true. I've definitely seen like leather rune sets and things like yeah. that. You know? Yeah. So yeah. again, that just depends on the type of practice you practice. <laughs> so in the late 800s, that would have began the Christianization of Europe. And that's sort of why this archbishop was writing that story. And the next one, the next time frame we jump to is in the 1200s, which is sort of the winding down of the Christianization of Europe, meaning that most of Europe had already been Christianized or had had that introduced to them, whether or not the inhabitants were currently like worshiping as Christians or a combination of pagan Christian hybrid or really just pagan and trying to resist. We don't really know. But in the 1200s, an Icelandic poet named Snorri Sturlsten wrote the Ynglinga saga. And in it, he mentions chips that fell in a way that essentially said the king in a story wouldn't live long. And I know that that sounds like, oh, he was a, a poet, so he's writing fictional things. Really, what a lot of poets did back then was they took stories that had been handed down from generations to generation and they turned them into songs and then those songs got written down and they turned into poetry and that helped to make it so that people could have that knowledge and that storytelling well, side I mean, of that's things. Just, that's just how you had history, right? Like you yeah, didn't, you didn't have a, <laughs> it you didn't really have a is. It really book. is. So wow. he mentioned chips and um, in this it indicates that he was talking about chips of wood that had had I, that had had symbols carved or painted onto them and that they were definitely used in divinatory practices in such a way that kings and other noble folk, uh, particularly in these stories, would consult them prior to doing something important, much like how in ancient Greece and Rome, people would seek out the oracles for guidance before they went and did something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So based on these writings and ar archaeological 
archaeological evidence, which we really don't have a lot of. There's just not a lot. Um, you know. Well, I mean, there's a lot of archaeological findings of like rune stones. Uh, there's a bunch of those. There's like like the Uthbert, which is a sword that we found that has the word Uthbert yeah. like uh, carved into the into the blade of the sword itself. Um, yeah, uh, so like we have we have a bunch of writings and like letters written down and like runes and stuff like that on stuff, but like that doesn't mean that we understand like fully what's going on. Yeah, yeah, especially because um, a lot of the things in that area of the world were made out of natural materials, which would have degraded over time. Yeah, you know they were less um, they were less monument builders in the way that ancient Greeks and Romans were. So we just kind of don't know as much about them just because of the manner in which that they lived. But that's not to say that they were less intelligent. You know, that has nothing to do with that. It's mostly that we just don't have a lot of surviving evidence and we don't have a lot of people writing like histories of, and this is how this stuff works. Like we do have a lot with Roman and with Greek civilizations and with yeah. other civilizations throughout the world. It's just the closest geographically. So most of the evidence that we have for runes being used is really in mundane ways, uh, much like how you'd write things down in whatever your language of choice well, is. Alphabet. Or alphabet yeah, of choice. Yeah. Language is spoken, alphabets are written. Well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, um, you know, so we really have a lot of these more mundane type of things where we're seeing somebody's name on something or, uh, you know, something along those lines. We don't have as many like receipts <laughs> in ancient Norse like we do in um, other other um, civilizations that kind of help us to clue into what daily life looks like. But there is no doubt that there is stuff like that. Uh, now, we have found spells written in. In Futhark, both elder and younger. Um, but again, keeping in mind, this would have been the written language of the time. So that's not to say that the runes were not magical, but also if you are an English speaker and you also write in English with the standard Latin alphabet, um, you wouldn't really consider that being a magical language. But you are still using it for magical purposes. So there's sort of that delineation there. However, the interesting part about Futhark is that both the elder and the younger evolved in a wildly different way than the language itself evolved. In the, the spoken language. Yeah, in the spoken language. The usage of consonants and vowels and the way that they were written and the sounds that the letters made were evolving at rapidly different rates, which indicates that something else is hap was happening with the spoken language of these peoples and with their use of the written language of these peoples. And we don't really know what that is. That one's sort of an odd and big question mark because they yeah. usually evolve roughly at around the same level. Well, we, we would we would expect them to in what we would would classically define as a traditional culture. So if you think about it from the perspective of like the uh, standard English alphabet and then American accenting, let's let's completely even ignore the fact that Canada, Australia and the UK all speak English, but with like a differential accent than is possible within like, you know, America, the United States thereof and therein, right? You could understand where like if, if 
you know, even though we have all this telecommunication, we have all this spread and we have all this connectivity, right? The languages have delineated. There's the Southern accent. There's like a Texan accent. There's like a Northeast accent, you know? So, so you have all these different California accent. Um, so you have all these different accents. So it, to me, when I look at something like this and, and cause I've thought about the, these things before, it's, it's this function of like at the height of what we would call like Norse times or Viking times, right? There was a bunch of trade and a bunch of interconnectivity. So the language had to normalize into like, as an example, American English. But there's still different accents relative to locations. And then of course, once that trade and everything broke down, right? Now, now you have a, 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 a group that speaks a similar, functionally the same language as, you know, another group, but because of the isolation effect and time, they, their language has now altered in a different way, right? And so when you think about it that way, it, it sort of like makes sense in my mind that um, they would, uh, all, that the languages would diverge and, and merge separately from the way the written language is because a written language, it's written. It evolves and changes, but significantly less, right, than, um, than a spoken language because a spoken language can can uh, suffer from like uh, segregation, drift, and things like that. Mm -hmm. Totally, right? yeah. Now it's also possible that these runic alphabets um, grew out of magical symbols or signatures uh, in societies that didn't really yet use the written word to communicate or to communicate frequently, and later turned into letters with word sounds that mimic or make up ancient meanings. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a very very possible thing. Um, and I don't really have any great examples for that, but the easiest thing I can think of would be um, the ampersand, which is a derivative of the letters ET, um, which means et, uh, which is and yeah, in Latin. Yeah, part um, of the et cetera. Yeah. You know. Yeah, so that's, that's sort of a, a way that that can be done because if somebody was using these runic symbols for, um, you know, imprinting a name or like you know, using it for a specific magical purpose. And there was a sound associated with that. That sound would then sort of permanently be associated with that particular runic symbol. Yeah. And then that would evolve into a language, uh, which I think is written like, language. Yeah. Into a written language, which would be like super fascinating. And then lastly, um, the runes may have also been born out of a union of symbols that had meaning like these alphabet type symbols or symbols that were already standardized, meaning something. And, um, a combination of bone casting or reading an animal's entrails. So animal entrails were often read at feasts and at other notable occasions throughout the ancient world. This is a fairly common practice that goes across oceans and continents, really. And, um, you know, whoever it was that was reading them, they would basically either interpret the shape of the entrails as the animal was sacrificially killed and then and then cleaned so that it could be eaten. Or um, at the end, when everything had been taken out, they would sort of toss them on the ground and look for meaningful symbols or uh, patterns and, and things like that. And that might sound gross, but I mean, that's just what you did then. And you can definitely do that, but it wasn't really a great idea to slaughter an animal every single time you needed guidance uh, because you would 
end up without animals. There would not be enough animals. So then there's also bone casting. Um, and bone casting it sort of evolved in line with the animal entrails. And these also included other non-bone items. So you would have a bone casting set and it's a very personal set. So it means something very specific to you and each item inside of it also means something very specific to you. And you could include things like sticks and feathers and rocks and shells and amulets and, of course, bones from either one type or a variety of different animals. And you would toss these down and then you would interpret its meaning. But because these sets are highly personal to the owner and wouldn't necessarily be easily obtained by someone who lived even 50 miles away, uh, it wouldn't be easy to read somebody else's set because you wouldn't know what the meanings meant. But it also wouldn't be very easy for you as a person to teach someone else how to read this set. All right, and we're back. Yep. So, um... Using common symbols, uh, something that like you would find in a written language, you could not only read your own runes, but you could also use that sort of a system to show other people how to read runes and other people could read them as well and sort of give input. So it's quite possible that the, that runes as a divinatory thing evolved out of several different things and sort of pushed into really what we know today as, as runes. And I think that that's a pretty interesting way to think about that because this is just the most common language that we're talking about today, but that doesn't mean that you can't create runes for your yourself um, using any of the sort of principles or change things up or even mix and match from different rune sets. So as far as types of runes, you're kind of looking at like really three different main types of runes that you can use. And this is again, not part of a specific language, but you have rune sets, which typically have letters or other common speech sounds associated with them. And uh, many of them today have divinatory or magical meanings, and they can usually be made or purchased. They're pretty pretty universal almost in their, in their sort of meanings out there. So you can find a lot of different rune sets online. You can find a lot of people with their interpretations of the meanings and you can sort of pick and choose what you like, whether it's a specific language or a material that they're using or a, um, a finish. Yeah. Well, you're, you're less commonly going to find when you, when you talk, when you use the term rune set, Generally speaking, I would argue 99% of the time they're specifically talking about Elder Futhark. It's just a yeah. the set just means all of the letters written on some shit. Yeah. That's it. That's that's all that means, right? So so a rune set would basically be like alphabet blocks, but written in Elder Futhark. Mm -hmm. Right? Um obviously, like theoretically, if you wanted the elvish letters written on some some rocks or bits of wood. I have no doubt that you can probably buy those online somewhere just because of the fan base and stuff like that. But, but the, the like quote magical rune set unquote is, uh, the elder Futhark letters. Sometimes that will include a blank rune, um, or like, uh, sometimes referred to as an open rune. Uh, some people have symbolism about an open rune. Some people don't as well as some rune sets will include, uh, 
characters like NG and such like that. And sometimes they won't. Again, it just depends on like who that person is and, and what they're talking about with regard to a rune set. Um, when it comes to buying a rune set, some will tell you that you can't buy a rune set. Some will tell you that you, you know, they can only be gifted or they can only be handmade or they, there's a bunch of people want to build a bunch of gates to keep people in and out of stuff. Um, but based on the amount of rune sets available and types of rune sets available online, clearly not everybody believes that. <laughs> um, that would make no bloody sense then. So, yeah, that's that is a thing that like, you know, some people are like, you can only have a rune set that was gifted to you. Like you can't even make it yourself. Um, but, you know, whatever, like ignore gatekeepers. And uh, yeah, for the most part, it's Elder Futhark. Um, and again, what the materials made out of can or cannot have meaning to you. What color the runes are can mm -hmm. or cannot like my rune set, the first rune set that I made. Um, I chose the wood specifically for its meaning. I chose the color specifically for its meaning. And I chose a color. It was very expensive paint. Um, because <laughs> it was also made at, like, it was like handmade, like natural, like artesian paint from like Greece or yeah. Italy or, or Spain or something, some, some Mediterranean country that had access to the necessary materials yeah. to, to make this like incredibly expensive, um, like natural uh, paint that I used. But um, I've also like carved rune sets out of just like, here's the necessary, I want to say 26 rocks that are all vaguely similar, you know, let's get a Dremel tool out and rock and roll. So, you know, and some people are like, never, you know, you got to carve it by hand or you got to. So again, it depends on like what you want to do, what kind of ritual you want to do. I mean, my first rune set was carved on a full moon after a storm on the hood of my Bronco. <laughs> yeah, I laid a cloth on it. It was the only thing that was at like standing height. At the place that I lived, and I, I can't sit for very long. So and like, you're tall. What? Well, yeah, and I'm tall. But so, and it was a very lifted Bronco. But, but uh, so it was like at standing height. So that way, I was kind of working like way up here on the Bronco. So I just laid out a piece, a huge piece of canvas, carved the runes on that, painted them on that, let them dry on that um, overnight, and then the canvas that I carved them on top of, I cut apart and turned into the bag that holds them and the altar cloth that I keep in that bag for that. So, you know, again, it depends on what you want to do to make your rune set or to buy your rune set. I mean, let me tell you what, uh, if you're into runes, fucking Etsy, that shit, there are some rad rune sets. There are a couple of like $500 rune sets. These yeah. like hand crushed, like beautiful, like made out of solid iron work kind oh, of sets. Yeah. And just, yeah. oh man, people are doing some tricky stuff way beyond my skills. So I'm not like, I'm like, yeah. and we I might, just spend money. Yeah, but and we might do some rune sets too. Yeah, we'll I've, 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 I've been thinking about making rune sets. We've got, we get a lot of uh, uh, fallen branches out here in the Redwoods. Yeah. Um, Bloody Widowmakers. And like moss and so, other, so, other forest bits. Yeah, so I could, I, I could probably do like term. redwood rune sets with like a natural pigment that I make myself out of like like nearby ingredients. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, we'll yeah. see, we'll see. All right, what's next? Yeah, so if you're making your own rune set, you can not only use 
the Futhark letters, but you can also sort of create your own runes. There's really nothing that says that you can't go off base here. Um, and some people will include bind runes in their homemade rune sets, either by adding additional chips into it or by creating everything themselves. And bind runes are a combination of runes that have been written as one complex rune and they can be used in a multitude of ways they're also popular as magical signatures and also in spells and can be used as sigils and you can use a bind rune for pretty much anything so if you really want to put something together that's like uh, like a like abundance and money you know you can take the runes that are associated with those things or any symbols that you have in mind and you can use those as a bind rune um now bind runes have uh, a lot of different ways that you can Put them together but that's one of the things that's really sort of up to you and that's also pretty similar to sigils so if you're creating your own rune set you can also use different sigils yeah. which are um, well all bind runes are sigils not all yeah. sigils are bind runes that because logically again just you know let's think about the words that we're using a bind rune would be uh several runes bound together into a single symbol Whereas a sigil could just be like a crescent-shaped moon. That could be a sigil. That's that's not yeah. several runes combined together. That's just a like a pictogram, for a lack of better words. Um, bind on bind runes before we move into sigils. But this also counts for sigils. So on bind runes, there is the open-ended descriptor for the word rune, which allows bind runes to be anything you want to combine. Um, and then there is the like Norse esoteric practice of bind runes, which is specifically choosing runes for their proper magical properties to be bound together in a specific way. Um, and what that specific way is, there are a bunch of schools of thought on that. Some people do bind runes like around a circle, sort of like the like Egjomir and Vegjvizir style, like circular pendant thing or sigil. Um, some bind runes are simply bound together in a line and some bind runes are stacked on top of each other, uh, which, uh, is often considered the, a more accurate way to do bind runes. Cause when you stack them on top of each other, if you're stacking, like, let's say, uh, like O and U, then you would also potentially get like a C in there. You could potentially get an F in there. You could potentially get, so, so by combining these two runes, you also can potentially read extra runes into it that you did not purposefully place there, which is something that you can actively create or cancel by the manner in which you create bind runes. Yeah. Um, so again, it's one of those, like it's as open as you want it to be, but also there are some like ideological ways in which you can do this based on like practices by certain people or by like ancient groups or anything like that. Um, and for the most part, bind runes are a product, whereas a rune set is a th is like the the reading thing. So you like like you sort of wouldn't necessarily put bind runes in a rune set for a drawing. But what you what you might do, and I've seen this a lot, and I've done this before, which is kind of fun, is like you get your runes out, draw three of them put them on top of like a sheet of paper, right? And then in like, whilst sitting there and meditating, bind those runes together, right? And now and now you have like sort of the 
affirmation of the drawing that you just made about that decision that you're going to do, which can then be like burned safely, do it safely, um, or or <laughs> there's another drinking b- buried. Yeah, the number of times we mentioned <laughs> fire safety, or b- buried if it's on like natural paper, you know, any number of things like that. So again, and I mean, like I have several like like tr- like traditional Norse runes on my hand, as well as just straight Elder Foothark, as well as bind runes that follow uh, a rule for bind runes that I have developed and made myself. This is, it's just my thing, right? It's not like, and you know, maybe we'll get into that one day. Uh, maybe I'll get into that in like a, a TikTok or something. But yeah. like, I have a way of doing bind runes that's different, but it's just like the way that I like doing it because I like the way that they turn out like visually, I like the way they look and I like the things that you can do with them insofar as I've designed three of them and four of them, excuse me, and tattooed them on my hand. So <laughs> like myself. So again, there's there's a lot of there's a lot up in the air when you talk about runes. But, um, you know, we're trying to stay grounded in specifically Elder Futhark, um, just because that's the most common practice that utilizes runes. Yes. Yes. As well as the most common interpretation of the word runes. Yes, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And if you are looking to add to it, you can also use sigils or you can create sigils out of the runes. Like you had said, sigils can be sort of kind of anything you want. Sigils are really a combination of symbols and letters and runes well, or any of those things right? that have a magical meaning. Yeah. yeah. Um, and some some examples are the Vejvasir, the Eshelmir, but also, you know, symbols for angels and demons uh, and even a pentagram. So yeah. if you feel like for your magical practice, you want to add something like that to your rune set, you absolutely can. Um, that's really kind of a choose your own adventure sort of thing. I mean, Um, sigil is basically just the word symbol. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, like it's it's the word symbol, but with like bonus meanings. It's symbol plus. Yeah. And a quick word about sigils before we move on and back to the rune sets and um, how to cast and read them and cleanse and imprint them is that. Sigils can be created by anyone to mean literally anything, and they're often very, very personal to the creator. So it's hard to know what a sigil means if you're not the creator. Um, I belong to r slash sigils, and there's always a lot of people posting sigils there, and they're like, what does this mean? And we're kind of like, well, we don't know. Depends on who made it. Yeah. Uh, and that's <laughs> very, very accurate. Um, and they're typically, you know, they're typically laid out in symbolic ways and charged with very specific intention. But if you have a particular sigil that means something divinatory to you, go ahead. You, know, you can do whatever you want with your rune set. Yeah. Um, that kind of bends those rules a little bit, which I think is totally cool. Like, get it, get yeah. it how you want yeah. it. Find, to the, find the thing that you like doing and then, and then like practice that thing, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of different ways that you can cast and read runes. Um, much like tarot, it's kind of whatever it is that you want to do. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to hear more ideas about that, definitely listen to our episode on tarot. I know this is runes and that is tarot, but really divination follows a lot of the same sort of rules yeah. or ideas well, and practices, as an example, regardless of what kind of divination yeah, you're doing. As an example, if you listen to our tarot one, uh, Julie does tarot in a completely different way than I do tarot. They're just like completely different ways to do tarot. But also, she's been doing tarot for a long time. I'm real new to tarot. I mean, the number of tarot decks I have begs to fucking differ. <laughs> but I that's just, you have more than I do I do now. have more decks than you do, yeah. Uh, but that's just because I'm irresponsible with money. Um, 
<laughs> you also have several rune decks. Oh, I also have well. like several rune yeah. sets as well. Yeah. And I have a set that's just like monsters, like kawaii little monsters. Um, I, I just, I love all that stuff, it's man. So fun. And, I love and, it. and, and, uh, Kickstarter, let me tell you what, you want a bloody secret to getting cool, um, tarot decks and cool rune sets and all that and kind of stuff. And altar decor. Kick, Kickstarter. Kickstarter tarot. You know what? Totally, and totally off stuff. subject while we're off subject. I literally just got one of the decks that I kickstarted. This is like, like no sponsor, but I'm <laughs> fucking super in love with this deck. Julie found it and sent it to me and I was just like, kickstarted. No, no, fucking no question. Just what is it? Sixty dollars in the future that I'm probably gonna remember? No, I'm not. Buy it anyway. I don't give a shit. Right? That's it, yeah. Some of these things I just I just jump off on. But this is like a '70s love child, like hippie tarot deck that I'm yeah. super fucking yeah. in love with called Moon Baby Tarot. And like I just got this one in the mail a little bit ago, like two days, like ago. two days ago. Yeah, yeah. 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 So again, it's that like. Um, you know, you, like go on, go on Kickstarter, go on Etsy, see what other people are doing. If you want to make something and you're crafty, rock and roll. If you don't, or whatever, like who cares? I've I've legit like, like just torn pieces of paper apart and just written that like taking a piece of paper and write the letters, like write the runes out on a piece of paper yeah. and just like tear them off and then just like flip them upside down and spread them around. And I got to draw, draw a few cards because like I needed to do a, a, yeah. a rune reading and I like didn't have any of my supplies or like somebody asked me to do something and I forgot my supplies. So I just had to make it up on the spot. Or if you don't want to draw them, uh, I learned that actually the elder Futhark and I think some of the younger ones too are in Unicode, which is, you know, like when you type yeah. the specific sim like, letter code in yeah. for the I have a, I have a rune um, font when you see all the runes in like if you sign up for our Patreon and you look at our and you look at the um uh f fucking book of shadows pages yeah. or like if you follow me on uh Instagram I post like some of our um like cell phone backgrounds and stuff like that I post about those on there uh, uh, heck even the um those runes even in the Horn and Cauldron podcast symbols yep. Um, so like I, I downloaded like a rune font for Photoshop or whatever, but, um, Elder Futhark, especially Elder Futhark over Younger, I don't really know Younger as well, but Elder Futhark is one of those languages, um, Hellblade, Sinoa's Sacrifice, which if you yeah. like Norse stuff and are like, okay with potentially having a mental breakdown, um, play this video game. Let me tell you what, <laughs> man, it's so good. It's about a lady, like a, like a Norse lady whose husband got taken or whatever. And so she has to like venture into the afterlife and she has like, uh, like schizophrenia or multiple personality disorder, some sort of a mental, uh, a mental disorder that, um, causes her to hear voices and to like see things that aren't there. And they play it into this, like, like magical aspect of being able to find, and this is, uh, this is an old practice is like, finding runes in trees or in like bramble. That's one of those things that like mm -hmm. I do very, very frequently where you're just like walking and you bring your, you know, your attention is brought to just from this vantage point, the manner in which a specifically colored sticks align in this tree or like veins on a leaf. And you can read a rune into that as sort of like naturally seeing the language of the environment yeah. around you kind of a thing. So, but again, that goes into like casting and reading runes. Um, and there's like an infinite number of ways you can approach that just like there's an infinite number of ways 
in which you can produce runes. It's funny because when I look at nature like that, I usually see how or why Bob Ross put together the compositions that he did. You know, like uh, something that I always, something that I didn't think about until I started doing like painting with like Bob Ross, like a la prima, wet on wet style or whatever you want to call it, um, is that when mountains are far away, they kind of have like a purple cast to them. Yeah. Uh, Unless you live in California and it's smoke season, then everything is orange colored. Yeah. (laughs) We call that style moist on moist. No, we don't. We call that style smoke season or late (laughs) summer. One of the fun seasons we have in California. Anyway, um, so yeah, if you want to cast and read runes, there's tons of different ways that you can do it. And you can also take tarot type practices and move them over. You can just kind of like. Yeah, do research. There's a bunch of good um, online resources for rune casting and rune reading. And again, if you have a question, uh, just find us on social media and and hit us up. Yeah. So, um, a common way to do it is a blind pull. And that would be where your runes are kept in a box or a cup or a pouch or some other receptacle. And you shake them up or stir them up with your hand. And then you draw as many runes as you want or feel compelled to draw to answer your question. Uh, so that's a very common way to do it. Uh, you can also use a cloth. And so again, your runes are kept in a receptacle. You shake them or stir them up and then you pour them out onto the cloth and then this is kind of where that sort of branches off into a bunch of different places because if a rune falls face up some people use that as part of their reading if a rune falls on the altar cloth in a specific way they use that as part of their reading whether it's face up or face down and some of the altar cloths even have designs on them that indicate that indicate certain layouts or questions or ideas um and that's really like something that you can just kind of go as deep as you want into that rabbit hole and um you can even use all of the runes if you want you can use none of the runes but the thing that i caution with this is something that i is something that i caution with any sort of divination reading is especially when you're asking a question for yourself there is always sort of a temptation subconsciously to try and read the best result that you want for you like if you're asking yourself how's my day gonna go and you see two runes and one is like your day is gonna be great butterflies and rainbows and glitter and the other one is like Maybe you're not going to have a great day today. You kind of subconsciously want to gravitate towards the nicer of those things. So Mm -hmm. when you are doing something like this, um, especially if you're tossing your runes out onto a cloth where you are seeing more of them, you really want to caution yourself that you are not choosing the outcome because that's the outcome that you want, that you're truly letting your, your inner compass to guide you to the runes that to the runes or even to the cards or whatever you're using mm-hmm. th- that the answer actually is. Yeah. Well, okay. So, okay. So cloth on a cloth, right? Which for the most part, I don't just straight blind pull. Um, I used to, I don't really do that anymore. Um, specifically with runes, just like out of the bag kind of a thing. Uh, so there's the like dump all the, like shake up the bag, dump all the runes out. The ones that are facing up are the ones that are you reading. There's the like, put them all upside down kind of wave your hand over them. Uh, the ones that feel like you need to pull, pull them. 
right and, yeah. and flip them right side up there's the like dump out some and then the uh, the upside down or reverse reading is uh taken into account which is a carryover as far as i have ever read about is a carryover from modern tarot practice the idea that there is like an upside down or reverse rune is a newer thing but also the idea of a tarot card being upside down or reversed is like a a fairly new thing relative to the lifespan of tarot which even tarot is like again a fairly new practice by like historical standards yeah right um but so and again you know you can do it upside down you can do right side up whatever um it, you know, there's there's a lot of people who who use like a map, right? So you you get your your cloth has like location based importance, and then when you pour the runes out, well, the runes that fall in those locations um, are the ones that are informing you of a thing, right? Whether upside down or right side up, or whether or not you take upside down into like a reverse context or not. Um, so uh, like the again. There's like a bunch of different ways to do it. And these are just like the most, I mean, I just ran through like whatever, four or five different ways. Yeah. And those are just like the most common ones. Those aren't even some of the more esoteric ones that are out there. Yeah. Yeah. Or something that you feel like resonates with you. It's funny when you were saying like you run your hand over the runes. I'll do that with cards sometimes too, Mm -hmm. especially if I'm doing like a single card reading. It can be really nice and just like sort of satisfying to just push those cards out into a fan. And when I put my hand over them, I sort of know that I'm meant to pick that particular card. Yeah, well, because it's it just, a, it's just feels a feedback like, feeling. Yeah, it, it almost feels to me like I have like a string coming out of my palm mm-hmm. and like it's kind of like buzzing. That's how I feel that. Um, but that's that's sort of, sort of a tangent, but... <laughs> yeah. We're all about tangents here. Um, so in terms of number of runes to pull, this is, again, one of those choose-your-own-adventure things. You do what feels right. Um, and the most common number of runes to pull really are, you can see that this influence comes from modern tarot reading because the most common number of runes to pull are like one, three, five, nine, and then it kind of goes up from there. And those typically directly correlate to different types of tarot readings. Um, you know, so really the most common tarot readings and the most common stuff I found out there um, just in general on research for rune sort of polls is one is kind of like an everyday poll. Like, how's my day going to go? Here's the rune. You can see that directly corresponds with tarot. Not that it, not that people do this for runes because of tarot or people do it for tarot because of runes. It's just the similarity is there. And same thing for three. Three is typically past, present, future, or another one of the sort of threes that that goes with. And you can kind of do whatever it is that you want there. But, um, you know, feel free to pull as many or as few runes as you want. I usually start when I'm pulling something to start with three and then go from there. (laughs) Um, And like John had said, some practitioners use reverse meanings, which usually indicates a darker element of a specific rune. And this can either be that the rune landed upside down and you're going to be using that rune or that the rune itself is oriented so that it is upside down, even though it is right side up and you can read it. And Um, some letters specifically don't have their their um, like Isa is balanced whether it's upside down or right side up. Um, I think Jetta's balanced. Um, I think Sulo is balanced. 
So there are some runes that upside down or right side up. Uh, Gebo is balanced. I think Gebo is balanced. Um, so again, it, it's that like, if you want to take that as that interpretation, you know, maybe put a dot like you would on a number nine or a number six yeah. um, to indicate what your right side up and upside down is if you read um, yeah. reverse readings. Yeah, and you certainly don't have to. This is really a personal preference. It's totally true. I don't do reverse readings, but I don't do reverse on tarot or any of that. I'm just, that's not, I don't do that. Yeah, and I only do reverse readings on tarot if it feels like that's the right thing to be doing because mm-hmm. of the way that I mm-hmm. do that. And we talk more about that in our episode with tarot, but I think a lot of things from that episode kind of play into stuff with runes too so you know if you're interested in learning more about some of that definitely definitely check out that tarot reading one as we go pretty in depth into reverse and meanings of cards um and different types of layouts that you can use all things that can be translated into rune casting as well yeah um and so that kind of pushes us into cleansing and imprinting so Again, we talked about this a lot in our tarot episode. It's always a good idea to cleanse and charge a new tool, especially in divination tools. Um, But kind of where you decide to go with that is up to you. All right. And we're back. Uh, Cleansing and imprinting. Yeah. Um, So first of all, before we get into that, like we talked about earlier, you don't have to only have a set gifted to you and you don't have to create your own set. That's really up to you. Whatever you want to do with acquiring a rune set is really your own personal choice. There is nothing wrong with purchasing one. There is nothing wrong with making one. There is nothing wrong with giving one as a gift or even purchasing a previously used rune set. That is your prerogative, a hundred percent. Anybody who tells you otherwise is really just gatekeeping for either a purpose that they are not aware of or just the purpose of gatekeeping. Yeah. Um, so to cleanse a deck, it's always a good idea to cleanse it, even if you made it yourself. Oh, it would be a set, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you just cleanse one room, just a single well, room. Well, I mean, you said a deck and rooms aren't <laughs> Oh, on paper. yeah. <laughs> they can be in the form of a deck, but it's generally yeah. called a room set. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> You know, because a deck of rocks is a fucking insane statement on the surface. <laughs> I mean, uh, if you had a bunch of, like, flat rocks. When I was a kid, we had this, like, piece of mica that was, like, a flat piece. And you just kind of, like, were able to, like, pull off, like, a leaf, basically, of mica. And so that's what that made me think of. But, um... I digress. So cleansing is typically done with smoke or light, either moonlight or sunlight. It can also be done with crystals. It can also be done with visualization. Whatever it is that you use to cleanse your runes, just make sure that it's not going to degrade them. Don't soak your runes in water, especially if they're not made to be doing that. If they're not waterproof, don't sprinkle them with with water. If you're going to use smoke, uh, like, is the smoke sticky? Does it leave a residue behind? Is it going to stain? Right. Some smokes will leave, like, a waxy residue or, like, a smoky residue behind, so you don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah, and even light can be detrimental to them, particularly sunlight. That's why so many things, I think, are charged by the moonlight, but there's also some other intentions there um, that we could just spend a whole other show talking about. But sunlight can also bleach crystals if you're using something like a crystal set or even... Oh, oh, it'll remove the color from paint. I mean, there's a reason why sun bleached is a term. 
Yeah. So, so however you decide to cleanse your runes, just be mindful that you're not adversely affecting them or damaging them in some way. And once they've been cleansed, you would want to typically imprint them to you or sort of bind them to you. And this is just sort of getting them used to you and your energy. Some people don't do this step at all. And that's also 100% fine. So to imprint your runes, you can put them under your pillow or underneath your bed. You can carry them around with you. You can place them onto your altar um, and just kind of wherever it is that you think you want them to be to get your energy, just sort of like hang around with them. Um, and some people believe that once imprinted, you should never allow anyone else to touch them. This is again, a personal yeah, choice. Yeah, dealer's choice. Yeah. Um, so remember, once they're imprinted, you can always cleanse them again. If somebody touches them, no need to freak out on anyone. And an interesting thing that I read about cleansing and imprinting, which unfortunately I was not able to find any additional information about, but I thought it was really cool and I wanted to mention it here. Um, in my research, a Redditor named Norse Gale Heathen says that he can, that, that you can also imprint your runes by doing a ceremony that involves fire and or ice, which were sort of two very important elements to the ancient Norse peoples um, and by singing the, the rune names and also infusing them with an herbal paste and the maker's blood, meaning to create a bond between the runes and the maker. Um, I would love to know more about that, but alas, I don't have any more info there. But really what that tells me is that if you want to create an elaborate ritual to bind your runes to you or even to create your runes, go ahead. Yeah. Because honestly, that sounds rad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, that sounds very, very like put on your magic robe and like do your magical things. So really it's just kind of whatever it is that you're into that you want to do with cleansing and imprinting. How do you cleanse and imprint your runes? Um, well, for cleansing, I kind of just like put them in whatever altar space I have and then like light some incense or some candles around them and then just kind of like let that sit for a day or whatever. Um, you know, I generally do like do it at night and then clean it up in the morning or what have you. Uh, and as for imprinting, I kind of the cleansing and the imprinting are sort of the same thing because it's in that space. You know, I like to like kind of like fiddle with them. But that's also part of the like I got I just got a new toy. Uh, so I want to like look at every picture <laughs> on my tarot cards or on my rune deck or like yeah. read through the book or whatever. Um but for the most part, I just kind of like grab at it and then just start working with it. And like in time, it um, becomes more specific. Uh, like, again, it's easier to speak on tarot because I have I have a primary rune set, which is like the runes that I made many, many years ago um, that are that are nearing their retirement. And then I have a couple of rune decks, uh, like tarot style rune decks that I use. Um, but like, like with regard to all the decks and stuff that I have, I have one tarot deck that I, I have a travel version of and a full size version of, um, that, uh, I use the most often. And that deck is not only the most specific with regard to the way that I draw, but like the, the drawings communicate more, more rapidly to me and things like that. I have more of a connection to that deck simply because of use. So for me, 
especially with runes, the act of cleansing is sort of part of the creation portion um, and the like unpacking portion and the like putting it on my altar portion and stuff like that. And then all of that acts as part of the like binding portion of it. Um, when I made my own runes, I, I pretty certain I put a couple of drops of blood in the paint before I painted the runes on them. Cause like <laughs> I carved the letters in and then filled yeah. the carvings in with paint. Um, but that was a long time ago and I honestly don't remember. Um, but I'm pretty certain I did. I'm pretty certain I did. Um, yeah, I'm not really super like ritual serious on the whole like cleansing and binding thing. But that's also because a, a lot of the runes that I do are like this twig looks like a rune. Or like I've done before, uh, we have a table outside that like during the winter, sometimes I'll, ju I'll just like when sticks and branches and shit fall on it, I'll just arrange them into runes and then just like leave it there to blow away. Um, so it's less runes are less about the like physical thing and more about the meaning of that symbolism. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, so for me, it's a little different, but that's also, that has a lot to do with, and we'll, we'll, we will have to do another podcast on this at some point in time and talk about like the history of runes and like Odin and like the connection there because Odin was like gifted the knowledge of the runes and the knowledge of the runes came from an even more ancient source and powerful source than Odin. Um, in those interpretations and stuff like that, I, I am reading a book right now about the j frost giants and like a, like the ancient frost giants and like um, other giants that came before Odin and his ilk. It, it's um, uh, it's it's a fucking hell of a read. So <laughs> so uh, for me, it's it's a lot of like research and understanding, and then just like basically constantly working with it. Um, until I feel comfortable. Uh, I have been working with runes for literally the whole of my life. I could not tell you the fucking definition of a single one of them. Not even a little bit. I mean, like I could guess, and I imagine I would get pretty close, at least on some of them. But uh, I actually have a printout of the runes that I got with one of my nice rune uh, decks from uh, Kickstarter that I hung on the wall in my, like, hallway of esoteric insanity. And, um... <laughs> It's so true, though. It is. And uh, I just I literally like like Julie see me do this a million times. We'll all be doing something or working on something. And I'll just get up and like duck around the corner at the wall and then like, all right. And then like go about it, keep writing or whatever the fuck I'm doing, because <laughs> I just I don't remember them. I don't know what it is. It's just like like if you ask me what the fucking two of cups is, I, I, I'm not going to tell you what that is. I don't know. Right. Oh, yeah. I don't I don't I don't know what 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 fucking Subolo is. I, I just it's written down, you know, a. a Probably some way smarter than me dude said something about if that shit's written down, you don't need to remember it, but in like a way nicer <laughs> sounding way than me. But uh, I'm not going to waste the fucking sunlight on that shit, guys. Uh, it's written down somewhere. I got it written down right there. That's that's what that is. Yeah, I don't know. I literally have had the exact same rune image, the one that she currently has up on her phone on every fucking phone I have had since smartphones started. 
That yeah. same image. And I have to re-download that image like twice a year by the fucking by because for some reason it disappears. <laughs> I have no damn clue why it disappears, but it just dis- it's just like, you should learn this. I'm deleting myself. And then I'm like, none of your shit. Re-download. Ooh, that sounds like just the fave messing with you. Man. Yeah, well, that's exactly what that is. I, brought, I mean, I, like, I should re- learn it and remember it, but like I have to understand how like warp cores work in Star Trek on top of how like... The, the rules of He-Man. I got a bunch of other useless <laughs> shit in here. And, I, and so, and like, sacrifices had to be made. Yeah. Right? It's a triage <laughs> triage of knowledge up in this bitch. So, yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that you don't really know what the rune meanings are because, like, that's the thing that we're about ready to talk about. Is the rune meanings. I know. I, I see it on the bloody thing. I kind of want to, like, quiz you about it. No, there's no way I but, yeah. I mean, Fehu is wealth and cattle. Yeah. Um, uh, Ansu's is like God and like ancestry and like Odin. Um, I'll give that to you. What else? I I think Gebo is gift and Hagalaz is like uh, divine protection. You sort got one, of, but not the other, or something. <laughs> I, yeah. See, the thing is, is that I, I know, I know what I'm doing with runes, but I don't know precisely what the mean. Uh, it's, I don't, it's just a thing. I don't know. Well, it's written down. I have, I literally have like 50 different ways of telling you what a rune is within like 10 feet of my body right now. Yeah, that and doesn't include the internet or it written in front of me right here. <laughs> I mean, I just, I have like, tw- like 20 books about this. Right. I've got all, you know, my decks have it written into it. I've got the poster on the wall and stuff. It's just one of those things that like for me, it's better to like read it and refresh it every single time, as well as some rune sets and decks have slightly different interpretations. Right. So I have very specific sources four rune meanings that sort of like tear up and down relative to what I'm doing, right? So I have the like standard picture on my cell phone that I'm always using, which is that, which is like generic reference, right? Like super baseline generic reference. If I need a little bit more, I've got the poster on the wall. If I need a little bit more, I've got the book that came with that poster that goes into more detail. There's a website that I use. I don't remember what it's called off the top of my head, Um, but there's a website that that I like, find a website that you like, um, that I use that has a lot more detail and information on it. Yeah. Um, as well as once I sort of get into reading that rune, there are things, interpretations and connections and things that I agree with on some of my rune decks and, um, and like different sources of information. And there are some things that I agree less with. Uh, just because for me, that rune has kind of like a vaguely different meaning, right? Because yeah. I have, I have like a, like a, runes familiars deck which is like a rune and a thing like an animal or a bug or whatever um and then i just have like like what i call my water deck that has literally no association with water other than the fact that the deck is blue um but to me there's just a connection to water that just it exists for me it's just for me because i'm crazy so that's what i call this deck is my water is my rune water deck and and those two have slightly different meanings right for each rune because of what the author you know, and designer and, and, and creator put into it as well as like the tone of that book for a lack of better words. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and then there are things that like I have researched and done and, and written down or tattooed on myself that has been lost to time because I forget. Um, I, I have been doing this thing since 
man, I don't know. I was like 10 or something um, where anytime I see like a dead animal on the side of the road, like roadkill or whatever, I make a small hand symbol while I'm driving uh, like a blessing. I, I don't know why I started doing this when I was a kid, but I always have. And it wasn't until maybe five years ago that I put together the hand symbol I'm making is two runes, specifically Gebo and then Hagalaz. Um, I don't know. It's just something that I've always done. I have done since I was a child. Some people notice it and are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I do a little thing every time I see a roadshow. And some, there are people that I have traveled like hundreds of miles with who have never said anything to me. And so either they think I'm crazy or like, they're just like, whatever fucking Jonathan's doing weird shit with, with his you, hands. Until you don't you notice it very often. Yeah. That you did it. I didn't even know we're married. Yeah. We were married when you told me about this. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think dad might have noticed it. And I, we've probably brought it up like once or twice. Yeah. But like, yeah. Well, again, whatever, like, who cares? It doesn't affect anybody. I'm just doing like a weird, uh, like hand gesture, right? For, like all the roadkill I pass. I don't know. It just, it, it feels like a thing that I have to do. Like if my hands are busy whilst I'm driving and I see one, I'll wait until my hands are no longer busy and then like do the hand gesture. It only takes one hand and it's really quick, but um, it's just, it's one of those things. It's just, it's been a thing yeah. forever for me. I don't know why. Yeah, well. <laughs> and what's, what's Gebo so and Hagloss is? Gebo, based on what you're saying, um, a Gebo, I would take as sacrifice, and Hagalaz, I would take as nature or forces outside of your control. So you're talking about, like, a sacrifice of nature. One of the things about rune reading, and really, like, any sort of divination, but especially runes and especially tarot, uh, is that looking at your cheat sheet or your book, as it were, that has all of the meanings and all of that stuff is actually really helpful. It's not a sign that you need to work on your stuff more. Although like, if you want to memorize all that stuff, go ahead. There's really yeah. no problem with that. I have a bunch of them memorized. So when you said you don't know what the two of cups is, I immediately knew of pages of but other shit memorized. The, the, that thing is not about, necessary. the thing about not memorizing this stuff and going and looking at whatever your reference is for it is that while it may mean while, while when you pull like, um, you know, something, you know, if you pull like, um, like Gebo, which is balance and divine interaction, gift relationships, sacrifice, um, you know, it may mean one thing in one rune reading and you may memorize it as that thing, like Gebo means gift, right? But Gebo doesn't only mean gift. So you may pull it in another circumstance and it may be meaning a different type of thing, like oh, a yeah. sacrifice. In interpretation so, is definitely a thing. It, like, see, yeah, like for so, me, Gebo is gift. But when when I'm when I'm doing my like, driving down the road, roadkill right thing, hand symbol. Uh, Gebo is specifically divine interaction, mm -hmm. right? So it's sort of like like beseeching the gods kind of a thing, divine interaction. And Hoglaz is specifically its transformative nature. Yeah. Right? And it's because it's the transformation between, you know, the mortal plane and 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 the plane that comes after death. It's the transformation between life and yeah. death. So it's sort of like... like asking the gods to assist in this transformation, right? I mean, that, that's that's what I'm, that's basically yeah, what I'm absolutely. doing. But again, yeah. that's just because that's my interpretation of that thing, right? It's, yeah, yeah. So, it's, it's functionally yeah. the hand Norse crazy me elder <laughs> foothark equivalent of God bless. 
Yeah, basically. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. God's but blessed. But that, that basically is like, you know, if you're still reading the book, you know, you don't feel bad about that. There's really nothing that, oh, that no, has totally. to be yeah. I'll feel bad about done it. about it. So um, <laughs> with that, let's go ahead and get into some rune meanings. Yeah, what are the runes? So, All of them, um, real quick, fire them off, rapid fire, let's go. Oh no, <laughs> I am not. I'm not the micro machine guy. So uh, the first rune we're actually going to start. We're not going to do this in Futhark, which basically is the way that the language was written, kind of like on a keyboard. Yeah, the, it's the the letters are the first letter is F, so it's F U. The letter T H, the letter yeah. A, the letter R, the letter K. Yeah. So we're going to uh, go with a more um, English version of this. We're going to start with A, and we're going to work our way Romanized, down through yeah. uh, the alphabet. So a lot of these runes have letter associations with them, which you can use or you don't have to use. That's just how I organize these to make yeah. things easier yeah, they, for me. They all, they all have a letter or or group of letters depending on again, or sounds, what yeah. kind of a thing association it is. And uh, I I don't I don't think we're gonna go through all of these, but we will have all of these listed and it'll be pretty and all this kind of stuff on uh, Patreon in our Book of Shadows page. Yeah. So so when we skip some, it's because there's, you know, whatever, 27. So Yeah, we're going to go through we these don't need pretty that quickly. So yeah. the first rune is Ansu's, and um, honestly, I was going to describe what these runes look like, and um, it's just kind of hard to describe exactly what these runes look like. So if you're listening oh, along at home... I'm way more interested to hear how somebody can possibly describe a rune. Okay, uh, see, well then the, I see, guess we're going to do the, it. The, the, no, we're not going to do that. No, that's, we're not? that's absurd. Okay. Yeah, no, 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 that's going to that's gonna take up too much time. <laughs> because because you guys want every our podcast because every, that's how we get a every one of them I would describe in a completely different way than I'm very certain you would because I would huh. describe them as like a function of mathematics I would describe them as like gross. vertical horizontal lines lines at 30 degrees things like that oh my god gross um yeah no <laughs> I was a math gonna, man. I'm a math man. Yeah, I was gonna be like Ansu's looks like an F, but a capital F, but the tines point diagonally down. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I, yeah. Okay, so Ansu's is the first rune uh, that stands for the letter A if you want it to, and it sort of means um, communication, inspiration, and knowledge. Moving down, we have Burkana, which is a fun fact that rune is actually tattooed on my hand yeah. uh, because we have a we got a tree of life tattoo for our wedding rings, yeah. and we each have a, a rune, and yours is the Odin rune, right? Which is Ansu's. Yeah, yeah, you have Ansu's, and I have, I have Burkana. And she has Burkana. So additionally to the meanings of these, they, one also, of them- forgive these pronunciations. I, I don't a hundred, like I know how I pronounce runes. Yeah. So, and I don't Same. know how she pronounces them, so we'll see We'll see yeah. what happens yeah. here. So Ansu's and Burkana are also kind of like king and queen type of uh, symbolism, yeah. especially for us. Um, so Burkana is like feminine and earth and healing and renewal. A lot of these runes, but not all of them, also have particular gods that are ascribed to them. But not all gods have a rune ascribed to them and not all runes have a god. So yeah. have fun I mean, Technically, with that. all the runes are Odins. And that's only yeah. because he sacrificed <laughs> himself to himself to gain the knowledge of the rune runes, which is uh, fucking metal, to be, Super metal. To be yeah. completely honest. Yeah. This god's just like, I need more worship. What if I sacrifice myself to myself to learn how to be more gangster? And apparently reality was like, uh, we'll allow it, I guess? <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> reality was just like, oh, let's see where this goes. Yeah. So the third letter that we've got is kanas, which um, stands for like a hard C or a K or a Q sound. A lot of the way that you would translate these runes is by sort of a phonetic thing. Sure. So if your name is C-H, you figure out how you want to handle that. Uh, 
Um, so that rune, um, fucking figure it out, <laughs> I guess, like, is like creativity and fire and knowledge and passion and positivity. Next is dagas. That's D. Um, that would be like beginnings and intuition and hope. We have ewas, um, which is typically spelled E-H-W-A-Z, which um, is the E letter, and that stands for Adaptation and Progress Relationships. Um, then we have Fehu, which is cattle um, and wealth, uh, because think about it, in the olden times, having livestock meant that you were wealthy. Uh, so got to think about that that way. And then there's Gebo, which is gift, um, and that one is like divine interaction or gift or sacrifice with Hagalaz, which is the H and that one's kind of like delays and forces and obstacles. Um, but then we have runes like Isa, which is stands for the letter I, and that one's kind of like a blockage. Um, or ice. Um, and it continues on down the alphabet here. Um, and the last one really that I want to talk about is the uh, blank rune. So we did mention it previously yeah. before. The blank rune so is... Before we get into the blank rune, some of these runes are like like almost named for gods that represent the thing, right? Yeah. Just, just to get into like some of that clarity, like Thurisaz, right, which is the TH sound, is like protection and defense and Thor mm -hmm. and is often associated with Thor. Um, yeah. And, and it has that look. So, you know, there's a, there's a, it's more than just like a linear connection. There's a bunch of little things in there. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole bunch yeah. here and I'm not going to read them all because. Yeah. We're not going to go through all of them. We don't have, we don't have time for it. <laughs> I, I just wanted to bring that. up that, that yeah. God connection because um, you mentioned it earlier. But then we have the blank rune yeah. and some rune sets give you a blank rune. Some people don't use a blank rune. It's kind of up to you. It is thought that the blank rune was originated out of being a replacement for a rune in case any of your runes in your site got lost. You had an extra. Um, but yeah. a blank rune can be used as something unexpected or unwritten or waiting to be revealed or still yet to be determined. Yeah. It's sort of like the, I don't know. Yeah. It's the, when you shake the magic eight ball and it says, come back in an hour and you're like, I'm sorry, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Right? So that would be yeah. what you would use the blank I have rune a for. blank rune in my rune set, but I really only have it just in case one of my runes break. I don't use a blank rune yeah. uh, in my practice and in rune reading. That would sort of be like using a blank card in tarot. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's just not really something that I well, use. Although I do have tarot decks that have, like, bonus cards. Yeah. I have the, that, that triple deck yeah. that I have. Well, is, the has closest like a bunch thing of extra to tarot that the blank card is is the Wheel of Fortune. The Wheel of Fortune card in the Major Arcana is, like spin the wheel, let's see what you get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I've seen, the, <laughs> I would argue that that of all the runes, the most open to interpretation is the blank rune. I've seen like a bunch, yeah. a bunch of different ways to read that rune. Yeah, like, so if you've been listening to this and you think, hey, like these runes are super cool, but like I'm missing whatever this symbol is, whatever, whatever this feeling, whatever this meaning is, you could essentially inscribe that onto your blank rune yeah. if you have a rune set and you wanted to do that. Yeah. So that's kind of where some of that talking about buying runes and sigils and stuff like yeah. that goes. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, so um, that is it for rune readings. We hope that you guys got um, some good stuff out of it. This was a fun episode. I always enjoy when I get to hear more about how you do things. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, and this is, this is like... 
very surface level with regard to runes. Um, The next large coverage in runes would be about Odin specifically because of the, like, necessary uh, connection there. Yeah. Um, You know, and his, like, you know, he has his, like, poems about runes Mm -hmm. and and such like that. So, but, uh, yeah, this, this this is something that I practice more than anything else is, like, runes and stuff like that. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, whether people totally think I'm an idiot about this stuff. is <laughs> <laughs> mostly the interesting thing for me. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. okay, so what's, uh, what's our next episode? So, our next episode is the second of three harvest festivals. It is Mabone, okay. or Mabon, however you want to pronounce Mabon. that. Mabon. I like saying Mabone, but, like, the seventh grader in me is like, <laughs> she said bone. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I don't know. It's um, there. So I'm pretty I, I, excited about that. I say it that. in a very like, like Southern, like, like, like uh, Southern French sort of a mabon kind yeah, of a way. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't yeah. know why. Uh, I, man, I don't remember what the name, the equivalent blot's name is. I'm so bad with the names of well, those Well, that's all right, because we'll, we'll be talking we'll about it, out it in, in two episode. weeks. Yeah, yeah. So I'm pretty excited for that because it's like, fall yeah and harvest festivals is best festivals yeah harvest festivals are the best festivals so yeah stay tuned for that and um we will catch you guys next time yeah if you are listening to this on youtube and you stuck around thank you very much don't forget to like this video comment below share subscribe do all that kind of stuff uh let us know what's going on in the dibbly do uh hit us up on social media all those links will be below if you are following uh, or if you're listening to this on your podcast listening thing of choice then uh don't forget to subscribe to our channel for these they come out every two weeks not perfectly but that's because always we have every real two lives. weeks it's every two weeks day. it's just sometimes it's monday and sometimes it's as late as wednesday and um if you would like to support more of this stuff we have a patreon uh so go to patreon look up nerd jive and uh you'll find us there uh, that's how you're going to get access to the book of shadows pages about each one of these as well as access to the discord where you can basically just like at us and ask questions about your practice or we can share funny memes or we can crack jokes or just talk about tv shows that we watched uh yeah. like whatever's clever it's just an open space to talk um and hang out and be like cool because we're there's, i got a no assholes rule uh, I'm the only one that's an asshole, and I'm not that much of an asshole. So, <laughs> yeah. You gotta be less of an asshole than me. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and uh, if you want, if you're into some of our Horn and Cauldron merch or other crafts or kits or projects, we have a uh, Etsy shop called Norgrove Enterprises. Again, you can find all of that. Again, yeah, all the links com. are on that. All that stuff's on nerdjive.com, uh, as well as where the this is where the podcasts are actually hosted. So you can find all the links and all that shit there. And uh, hit us up on social media and uh, check us out there because we yeah. share other stuff that we don't cover on YouTube or in these podcasts on that. Little yep. stuff, fun stories, um, and, and the like. Yeah. But uh, either way, I've been John Norgrove. This has been Julie Norgrove. This has been the Horn and Cauldron podcast. And uh, we will catch you guys next time. Yeah. Stay witchy. Yeah. And breathe in self confidence, breathe out self doubt. <laughs> <laughs>